from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we are here with Michelle and Danielle, who are steering the ship in Philadelphia, but we are live today from Wharton's campus in San Francisco. So, hey, congrats on that game last night, San Fran. Um, We've got a great show today, and we are taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So if you've always had a question you wanted to ask on Career Talk, today is your day because we will take any and all job search or career-related questions at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 or you can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So we are going to talk all about interviews today, and we're excited to have a great guest to help us with that. So broadcasting live from San Francisco and in studio, we have Mike Minoski. He is here on the ground in California, and for two decades, Mike has been a recruiter and talent acquisition leader in Silicon Valley, hiring 1,000 people in engineering, sales, marketing, finance, operations, you name it, he's hired them. Certified by the International Coaching Federation, Mike leads career search programs at the Wharton Executive MBA program right here in San Francisco, and today he's on Career Talk to offer direct insight and share all of his secrets on what really goes on behind the scenes in interviews so that you can land the job you love. Welcome to Career Talk, Mike. It's great to be here, Don. Thanks. We're very excited. So what is the difference between a corporate internal recruiter and and a headhunter? That that is a question that comes up a lot. You know, the the difference is when you're in corporate, um, you're going to see these people at lunch. You know, you're really building organizations that you're vested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more transactional and in, in some cases a lot more transactional when you're on the outside. I've done both. Uh, I've been a leader in both phases. There's, there's a pace difference too. Um, the pace difference that you'll find with an external recruiter is probably faster. Um, How do you know if you're dealing with an external internal recruiter when you send your, your application? How do you even know? Um, typically, an external recruiter won't have an email address from the same organization. Okay, so if it's an internal recruiter, they'll have, you know, at Google.com exactly. or and, at Uber.com. And or the, other thing, the other thing is to literally look at their LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. So um, Yes, stock their LinkedIn profile. It's Yes. <laughs> your, <laughs> your, first, your first stop on just about everything in your job. So is one better than the other? I mean, is it, is it, oh, great, I'm working with an internal recruiter, that's a better thing, or I'm working with a headhunter, that's great, because he or she's going to be on my side and be my advocate. I mean, are you hoping for one or the other? You're, you're hoping that in both cases this person will become your advocate, and it's going to depend. Um, I've seen, I have a client right now, because I, I have my coaching practice, I have a client right now who is finishing up being interviewed. The external recruiter did an amazing job. But he has over a 10-year relationship with the hiring manager. It really, And then I've had internal recruiters who are also amazing. It all comes down to the relationship between the recruiter and the hiring manager and that mm-hmm. team. The better that relationship, the more that recruiter can advocate for you and keep informed. So I've been an internal recruiter. And I will tell you, I, my, one of my very earliest jobs um, when I was 21, mm-hmm. two years ago, was... <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was just nodding my head. At yeah, I know. You know yeah, <laughs> it's not that long ago at all. Um, was being an internal recruiter, and here I am, you know, twenty one, twenty two, hiring for these pretty, you know, high level positions. And my biggest fear as an internal recruiter, as I was getting these resumes, and I was the first line of defense, was. I don't want the hiring manager to think I'm an idiot. Right. Which means, which means, and I think this is important for listeners to know, which means that if I was unsure about your fit at all, I would put you in the no pile because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to look stupid. Right. And I think that's an important thing for people to know when you apply online often. I mean, how many resumes are these recruiters getting for these jobs? Hundreds. Thousands in some cases. So they have somebody who is like me relatively junior person looking through them, kind of trying to circle words that seem to match these jobs I had never done at the time. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this one's a really good match, so I'm going to pass it on. Now, of course, they have applicant tracking systems now to replace that job. 
but but they're they're maybe even worse. It, well, at the <laughs> at the end of the day, you're looking at a resume and you're saying go no go. Exactly what you were describing. Mm-hmm. The you know having led teams and and that are amazing. One of the things that that really comes up is I do try to teach my staff to be a little bit fearless. You know, to say okay, this person has enough things in their resume that are interesting that I think we might want to explore this. And oftentimes when there's that that questionable candidate, you know, that go, no go decision, um, I'll get involved. And, and that's not typical though. Let's be honest. No, it's not. No, that's it's not, not typical. The hiring manager is like, give me the top 10 resumes. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I'm, I'm, I got other things to do. Just let's get a button, a chair who could do the job. It, it depends. On, you're really hitting the core point. It depends on the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my work in, in talent acquisition recruiting is really developing that level of trust and saying, okay, my team and myself, we can find good people. If we come to you with what we think is an outlier, we're confident enough listened up with us. If we can develop that good relationship, it's nailed. We'll get that person through. But you notice again, it comes down to that relationship recruiting has with the with the with the hiring team. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. We are live from Norton's campus in San Francisco today. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and he, we are here with Mike Minoski, who's been an internal corporate recruiter. He's been a headhunter, and he's been doing this for years. He has hired every type of position. So if you are not getting the interview, or maybe you're getting the interview, but then you're being ghosted and you never hear back and you have no idea why, this is the guy to ask. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can also tweet at BizRadio111. BizRadio111. B-I-Z. R-A-D-I-O-111. So, okay. So why is it, Mike, that when people send an application online, they don't get a response. I know one part is the applicant tracking system, you know, basically chews them up and spits them out. But, you know, it's really disheartening when you're in a job search to be sending out applications or sending in your resume when you're like, wow, this is a good match for me. And then hearing crickets. Yep. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for that. Cause I think you're raising one of the, one of the real challenging things in the recruiting profession. A lot of where it comes in is you may be a good mid-tier potential candidate. In other words, you're, you're somebody that yeah, you would be considered. But I know organizations where they've gotten 1,000 or 2,000 resumes for that position. The applicant tracking systems have made this really easy to apply for anything. The problem is there's so much static, so many applicants that come in that, that aren't qualified. You have to sift through those. So you get into a point where we're trying to get audit, uh, the applicant tracking systems automated to at least say, hey, we got it. Um, that next step becomes the more difficult one. And it's, we're get, I'm going to speak for the profession in total. We're getting better. We're not where we should be. It really comes down to an issue of volume. Mm-hmm. And I wish it didn't um, because there are some amazing people that apply. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, obviously networking, we, we hear that a lot. I'm not even going to go there because I think what I want to do today is say, okay, yes, people are networking, but there are also people applying online. Right. How can you up your chances if you're applying online? People do still get jobs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, networking or referrals are, are way better. But if you don't have one, how do you up your chances of that resume getting seen by somebody like you? Do you know what people don't? It's funny because it's a, it's a mid-position of what you described. Mm-hmm. I love people that send me an email after they've applied. And they always say, don't send you an email. They say, please do not contact us directly. So So you're saying ignore it. I would say ignore it. Ignore it. All right. You heard it. You heard it here. I I, I agree with you. I would say ignore it too. Because if you don't stand out, guess what? (laughs) They don't even know you exist. I would say of every position myself or my team have worked, maybe 1% do that. And and I don't want an obnoxious note. I want to say, hey, I applied for this. Here's why. You're looking for this. I've done it. You know, in other words, tell me why you're competent to do the job. So and short to the point, not obnoxious. I, I do not want gone with the wind. But what I do, <laughs> what I do want ever. What exactly? By the way. Yeah. In the resume, peace. in the cover letter, yeah. in the email. No, no gone with the wind. Peace. But I, what I really do want is tell me in two paragraphs. Hey, look, I'm competent for this. Here's why. I'd love to explore this with you. Mm-hmm. One step. Don't ask me for coffee, though. Don't ask you. Do you mean that to to have coffee to meet and blah blah? You're not going to meet them. Not just there. There's no bandwidth for that. But no. if you tell me you're competent, 
and you tell it to me in in that that you know really I want to help kind of tone, mm-hmm. you're you just got yourself moved up. Okay, so will you interview this person? Will you call this person? Very likely, I would call them. Okay. In 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 nine out of ten times, uh, somebody that does that, I will call. I will tell you when I was recruiting internally and hiring people, um, I if somebody was a referral, somebody in the organization handed me the resume or told me about them, whether or not they were. The right person, hands down, I would have a phone call with them. At least a phone call. And maybe they weren't right for what I was hiring for, but maybe they were somebody that a colleague or somebody else. So, I mean, I will say the referral thing, hands down. I had I had somebody who actually, I, I turned down, you know, the polite email, thank you, no yep. thank you, who contacted somebody else and, and, you know, said, you really need to look at this person again. And I actually ended up hiring that person yep. because she had good skills and they were good transferable skills. They probably weren't the right ones, but I loved that she was like, you know, persistent. I loved that she was Absolutely. assertive, not aggressive, but assertive. And and she's still working in that job today, by the way. I have I have probably a half dozen stories like that. Mm-hmm. Same story. And you know, what do you have to lose? That's my question. Exactly. You what know, do you have? To, people always say to me, but oh, if I'm bothering them, then they're gonna like. I'm like, if you don't bother them, they don't know. You exist. So you know what's funny about that? There's this belief I'm bothering you. Mm-hmm. Most companies in the Bay Area, particularly tech companies, there's a there's a finder's fee. So in other words, if if I'm say I'm a, a guy in finance mm-hmm. and I get an email that's really nice from someone I don't know but is making a good case for, gee, I'd love to get that job in in operations, uh, and you convince that finance person to submit. First of all, we're going to talk to you. Yep. Any referral is a VIP. We talk to them. Secondly, that finance person can make between one to five thousand dollars. Yep. So, so you're so doing them a favor. You're doing them a favor. You're, you're giving you know? them a vacation to oh Hawaii. Maybe Hawaii. You used to live in Hawaii, right? Yep. You said we've we've actually never had a caller from Hawaii, That's, and I know it's super early there. But if you're listening in Hawaii, we'd love to hear from you. Eight four four Wharton. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And if you're in the Midwest and used to live in Hawaii. <laughs> I would like to spend a year in Hawaii. That sounds awesome. So, okay. Um, so we're, we're kind of saying, you know, being disruptive, that word's totally overused nowadays, but we're trying to say like, you have to kind of go outside the lines yeah. to get noticed. And it, but, and the, I think people have this word intrusive in their head, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm being intrusive. There are places, and we're sitting in the middle of one right now where there's almost negative unemployment. I mean, there are more jobs here than people and so point two, move to the bay yeah, area move. if you can afford it <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's that, a little that, expensive that, here that, they need to work on that part, that last part yeah or, or except to our commutes every day yeah uh, they need to work on that part but you know but this isn't the only place that that that's occurring mm-hmm. and i i think it points to two things number one don't be afraid to raise your hand don't be afraid to say hey i'm interested um we are encouraging people within organizations now, and I consult with a, a, a lot of startups where it's everybody. I mean, my mantra walking in is everybody sells, everybody hires, mm-hmm. everybody recruits. So the entire organization that I train are trained to recruit. So they want to hear from you and go for it. Here's the thing. I think for, for a lot of people, because I hear this from a lot of clients, if I could only get in front of the decision maker, I know I can make a good case, but I can't, I can't, like, you know, I can't get past whatever the applicant tracking system or the recruiter or, you know, get to that mm-hmm. person. And I really do believe that. And I think here's the thing. If you're out there listening and you're like, if I could, if I know if I could get in front of them, I could show them what I could do. I could show them my value. I just can't. We want to hear from you at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or maybe you have found the magic, the magic button to get past that and get in front of the decision makers. Um, We want to hear those tips too because it can help other listeners. Or maybe you're the person who gets the interview gets in there, has a good interview, maybe even gets to the second one, but you're never the one to get the offer. We are here with Mike Minoski, who has worked internal recruiter, external recruiter, headhunter, hiring all types of different functions and positions. And he can tell you what you can do differently to land that job every time. 844-WARTON, that's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. We're on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're talking all about how to get in front of the decision makers and nail the interview. So, okay, so you get in front of the interviewer mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm I'm ready. I can, I can prove my value. But before you get to the hiring manager, yeah, 
often have to go through a phone screen or right. something with a recruiter who's not doing that job, mm-hmm. but is kind of the gatekeeper. How yep. do you get past that? Okay, so probably the most important question you just asked. Mm-hmm. And when I teach and build recruiting teams, we're really looking for just two things. We're looking for competence. So can you demonstrate to me in a brief phone call, I've done what you're looking for, or I've done enough of what you're looking for that you're, you know, you're interesting. All right, I'm going to back up for a second because here's one of the problems I have. <laughs> um, and, and this is so true. And I think this is important for listeners to know as well. Often the job description you read is either not accurate yep. or 10 years old or nobody's looked at it. And so you get on that call and you're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to I'm ready to answer these questions and show I'm competent. But then you're, you know, you're looking at a 10-year-old job description. They start asking you these questions that have nothing to do. What, how do you even deal with that? <laughs> so you know what's interesting is we have this belief that, and, and let's, I, I'm really curious about your response to this, that when you're in an interview, it's like a Las Vegas show, you're performing. And I think you're with more clothes. Exactly. Oh, well, <laughs> now I know the shows you go to. But, uh, <laughs> oh, but, bam. But the, sorry. The inter- Slammed. The interesting thing to me is it's a conversation, which means you have every right to ask questions. So if you're into this for about a minute and you go, wait a minute, I thought you were doing X and Y and I do A and B. That's a point to pause and go. Hey, you know, I'm basing it on what I'm seeing here. Sounds like we have a difference. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. In other words, you have the right as, as, a, as a candidate to ask those questions. By the way, if you ask me those questions, I'm impressed. I am too. I will. I, and I was just going to say that. Like, yeah, this is a two-way street. This exactly. is not like, oh my gosh. I mean, I did that once. Again, years and years ago when I was in my 20s, um, I went in and they, it was, there are two jobs and they, I went in and I applied to one they interviewed me for another and like halfway through i'm like what are they talking about they have no idea it happens it happens and here's the thing it's fine stop and say let you know let's back up this is a conversation i am so impressed with that too i'm so glad you brought that up gina in florida welcome to career talk what's on your mind today hi no we're just um i'm in hr for like 25 years so i just wanted to give an additional tip just to pick up your conversation um, in order to try to get that um, live person to talk to you at the company yeah. that you're applying for. So I, I think, um, you know, right after you send your resume, um, go ahead and try to find who that hiring manager is. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually not just email them, and I'll tell you why. Um, because, like for myself, I have a difficult hard name um, to pronounce the last name. And so you never know who's on the other end, you know, and you hate to say it, but they might be discriminatory and think, you know, you're one, you know, coming from one race or, you know, you know, it's, it's, the, it's real life. So what I like to do is um, call, try to find the hiring manager and give them a call, you know, a quick two minute elevator speech uh, about myself and, um, <clears throat> oh, I, tr- I forgot my train of thought. Oh, and have that pleasant voice because as, Recruiters, especially phone interviewers, we really listen to the pitch, you know, the volume, you know, the person's voice, you know, how they deliver themselves. And so take that into consideration, too, when leaving um, a message about yourself. Yeah. So um, I think those are all great points. You have to obviously be pleasant on the phone. Like you were saying, Mike, you know, you have to be. You can't. You have to be assertive, but not aggressive. And I do want to talk right. about that because, because Gina, that's a really good point. Um, there's a very fine line between that, and I think a lot of people struggle with that, Mike. And I, I'm glad Gina brought it up because. I am too. Um, and thank you so much, Gina, for giving us a call on Career Talk and with your tips. And hey, if you've got a tip, you can give us a call at eight four four. Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. How to get past the applicant tracking system or the online application and get in front of the decision makers. What works for you? We want to know. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So what is that fine line, Mike, between aggressive and assertive? That's a great question. I think think her ideas are valid. Depends on the organization. You know, some organizations, you're not going to find a phone number. But I think when you're able to get in there, I think the idea of leaving an appropriate message and is, hey, saw the post, excited, letting them know that you've applied. If you're asking the hiring manager to take a big action step like, hey, send me your email and I'll do this and that, they're not going to have time. Mm-hmm. So if you've already applied to the applicant tracking system, you've done three quarters of their work. And you just call, if you left a message and said, hey, I've applied, here's why I'm good, would love to move forward, please let your team know. Mm-hmm. If you did something like that, 
very likely if you're qualified, the, the hiring manager is going to say, okay, cool. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of, um, I mean, it's it's interesting. Gina also brought up like the two minute the two minute pitch, and I know there's like varied schools of thought about this. Like it used to be like you know the the, the thirty second spiel, the right. elevator pitch, and I've gone the way personally. I'm interested in what you have to say of forget that because I feel like most people, like, yes, you have to know the value you add and you have to know you know some phrases around how to say it. But I feel like when you you have that two minute pitch or that that 30 second pitch or something, especially on the phone, you yes. don't know if the other person is like zoning out or if they're like, you know, playing Pokemon, you don't know what they're doing. So, I mean, I feel like on the phone, especially you want to talk in sound bites, almost like we do on the radio. Like and, just, and you, I don't know if you're noticing my head nodding. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. No, one can see their head. Yes. <laughs> here's what I want to hear. Yeah. Tell me how you're competent. Tell me how you've done what we need you to do, mm-hmm. which is not a sound bite. You know, it's not an elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I did that wrong. It's not an elevator pitch. It's really... Um, it's a conversation. Exactly. And it's, and it's give and take. And I think if you sit there on the phone, you say, you know, I, I'm my name is John. I have this, I have that. Like you're losing them. And what is the number one thing you're trying to do in an interview? I want to see if we have the same answer. What is the number one thing you're trying to do in an interview? <laughs> I, I, I make a connection. Yes, 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 we are on the same page. I was like, I was already disagree with you, but I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to. I'm a jaded veteran, Don. Yeah, yes. So, so, I'm glad I'm right. So well, you let me, didn't let tell me, me add something. Yeah. This is how I start a phone interview. I start a phone interview saying, I don't want to do an interview. I want to have a conversation. And I'm doing that for a couple of reasons. One is I want to get the level of anxiety down, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if I'm dealing with somebody who's very technical. Um, they're all queued up. They've got their script. I don't want their script. I want to know what you've done, how it applies to what I'm doing, and I also want them to ask me questions. And so the minute I can sort of diffuse that, we have a much better information exchange. And, you know, part of the recruiter's responsibility is also to inform you. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going on. Here's how we're going to process this. Here's what the team is looking for. You know, I mean, there is a recruiter is also pitching to some degree. Mm-hmm. They're, they're validating and pitching and you know, depending on the role and and the the level and the talent, you know, I might be pitching more than than uh, than I'm evaluating. So, okay, you're on the phone. Here's the other thing about the phone. It's a little bit more difficult, and I think Gina brought up this point she to really to um, convey enthusiasm. I mean, all this stuff sort of gets a little bit drowned out over the phone yep. for, because you don't have the, the body language and all that. Um, I have to say, by the way, I go to magic shows in Vegas, by the way. Just, I felt the need to throw that in. I'm glad you did. Um, but uh, <laughs> so you don't have that. How can you... I, I've actually had clients over the phone who fell flat, but then I met them in person. I yep. was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, you're totally different. But how can people do better on the phone when in person is where they really shine. You know what? I think it has a lot to do with asking questions because I think asking questions creates engagement. So if I'm talking to a candidate and they go, and I've done da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, pause. Okay, so it's now on me to ask. I love somebody that says, you know, I've done this and this, and how does that apply to what you guys are looking for? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm feeling like this person is is into this. Um, I don't necessarily need that that you know, that Las Vegas show voice. What I do need is somebody who's listening. And to me, if you're listening, you're trying to make a connection. Mm -hmm. You're genuinely interested in what we're doing. I don't really care at that point if you're a monotone or not. You're, you're demonstrating competence to me. Yeah. I like that, that idea of going in as having it a conversation versus an interview and kind of letting go of the outcome. Yes, there's an outcome, but there's an outcome for both sides. I love, I love what you just said, and I've, I've never heard it put that way before. You're right. If, if we're sitting here going, okay, if I don't get an action step beyond this, uh, I'm crushed. No. If you've had a good conversation, you've learned. Mm-hmm. You've, you've deepened your interview skills. And you may not be a fit for the role, but you know what? You, you've gotten better at telling your story and listening. That should be your uh, at least a minimum outcome. Yeah, and one of the good reasons to have your eggs in many baskets because you know it's, it's yes. if you know you have another phone screen tomorrow or you have another one next week, the pressure for this one automatically goes down a little bit. I assume. I mean, look, I I go do interviews. I have to interview for you know my roles, and I'll tell you what I can think of many times, even fairly recently, that I crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. So. 
So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk, we are talking all about how to get in front of the decision makers and then how to land a job. If you've got a tip, we'd love to hear from you, 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866. Hey, if you've got an interview coming up this week or next week and you've got some questions, we're going to help you prepare for that. Mike Minoski is here. He is a former internal recruiter and headhunter. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are taking your calls and live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We are in San Francisco, actually, today, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. But right now, we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, research shows people do this on average three to six hours a week. That's one to two months per year. The scary part is that it can damage your brain and raise your blood pressure. One hint is that a lot of people do it at work and it's not sitting because I know sitting is coming to mind, but that's not the answer. So research shows that people do this on average three to six hours a week, mostly at work. And it's scary because it's damaging your brain and raising your blood pressure. So we need to not be doing this. You think you know what the answer is or you have a guess? Give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. I got the magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody and welcome back to Career Talk. Here on Sirius XM Channel 111, we're powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Mike Minoski, who is a former internal recruiter, external recruiter, and just all around has all the answers you've ever wanted to know if you're applying for a job and you didn't get it. Why, why is it, Mike, that you can't get any feedback? So, you know, you go, you interview, you think it went well, you get that call or worse, you get an email that's like, thank you, but we found somebody more qualified. And then you're like, okay, okay, I can live with this. However, it'd be really nice to get some feedback. So on my next interview, I can do better. But they're like, nope, sorry, move on. Legal department. The, the legal departments are the legal departments are really starting to crack down on us being able to say anything. Um, so they are really pushing us to be extremely generic. It's the, hey, I'm sorry. If you've developed a decent relationship, um, a, a recruiter will probably give you some baseline feedback. We can't tell you, you bombed your interview. Don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, legal, like I said, the legal department will then be in my office and they will lock the door. So you're not going to get really great deep feedback. Um, if a pretty senior recruiter will, will map and give you some baseline ideas, um, I'm often, I'll often start talking about how to, how to communicate, um, what you might have, what you might want to elaborate more or less. Um, but I'm not going to get into you bombed it. You did not connect. You were, you know, I can't get into the, the interpersonal stuff because that's where, like I said, legal will walk in. So there's, there's really been some, uh, tightening around that. So what, how do you get feedback? I mean, and, and I know if you're listening out there, I've been in this boat. I know you've been in this boat. I've been on this boat because I wanted to give people feedback, but right. for the same reasons I couldn't. Hey, give us a call 844-942-7866, 844-WHARTON, 942-7866. I mean, how can you, how can you improve that? I mean, because I, I, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? Well, I, I'm okay if somebody comes and says, can you give me a couple tips? Mm-hmm. Based on your what your interview, what what tips would you recommend? I like that because if you if some if I come to you and I say instead of saying what what could I have done or what you know what if you say what are some interviewing tips yep. that you would share and it's not really about me. It's generic. Then it's generic. So here's what I generally tell people, mm-hmm. and then I could take that away. So so asking more in the general sense. Exactly, and and somebody who's comfortable with that and i mean if uh, somebody who's been doing recruiting for a while is going to be comfortable the tips they're going to give you are going to be around you mm-hmm. so that's a that's a safer way to ask read between I, the lines thank you well said. <laughs> read between the well lines said. it would be helpful if you 
spoke more slowly be in general. Yes. <laughs> it would be helpful if you ask more questions. If you get, there, There's a whole topic right here alone on, you know, how to, how to really successfully make your case. Yes. We're going to go to Jordan in Minnesota. Jordan, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. Um, yeah, my name is Jordan. I'm a 21-year-old aspiring entrepreneur from Minneapolis. And, awesome. Love um, Minneapolis, by the way. Hi, Minneapolis peeps. Sorry. Go ahead, I Jordan. was wondering, um, when landing like a pitch with a VC, can that be compared to landing an interview with uh, an employer, potential employer. You have called on the right day because Mike is not only a recruiter, headhunter, he is also a business owner, entrepreneur, coach, and just about everything else. So I, I'm going to throw something else in there. My son was one of the youngest VCs in Silicon Valley. Well, there you go. So, so you, can, you called on the right day, Jordan. Jordan, your answer is emphatically yes. Um, the, the only additional pieces that you're going to add to that dialogue is um, – you're, you're going to demonstrate your competence. Look, I, I have this product or idea. Uh, it's based on this. My market research says this, that it's, it's viable. And, the, you know, that's demonstrating your competence. The next thing is, and I know how to bring it to market. And that last statement is the unique one that you're going to give a VC. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, Do you have an upcoming it, interview, it, Jordan? Um, no, I don't. But I am actually, I've, tried contacting VCs um, in the past and I feel like it's the, I get the same like you know crickets response that someone would get when applying online for a potential employer you know they're not getting any feedback or they're just not feeling like they're connecting they're not getting a chance to connect with the, the VC do you uh, do you have out there anything so we have groups here meetups that do nothing but do pitches and presentations is there any is there anything like that out there Yes, I actually just recently discovered meetup.com, the app, nice. Nice. and it's amazing um, how many um, entrepreneurial like events are going on in Minneapolis that you wouldn't know are going on. It's, right. Uh, so I just recently right. joined a bunch of um, a bunch of these like startup clubs and entrepreneurial clubs, things like that. I, you know what, I would, I would literally bring a sleeping bag and go to every one of them that you can because they are absolutely, that's literally how my son became a VC is he went to meetups and he was going to meetups for fun and free beer. Um, so the result is the more you go there, the more you practice talking to people, um, good things usually roll out of that if you've got a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jordan, I think it's it's becoming, uh, you know, getting in the group, becoming one of them. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah Jordan, I saw you at this last event. Oh, yeah, I saw you at this event. Oh, you're going to be at the next event. Oh, I hadn't heard of that one. So, um, yeah, it's being in that mix. It's kind of the... So VCs are in those meetings. Yeah, VCs are in they, those they meetings. They are scouting. And the more practiced you are, the more you're seen, and the more your views is viable, they will approach you. Jordan, great question. Perfect day to ask it. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Best of luck. We look forward to, to seeing you on Shark Tank in the future. We're <laughs> taking your calls at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Got a question. You've always wanted to ask a recruiter, say, what is really going on behind closed doors? You've picked the right day. You're listening to Career Talk. If it's Thursday, Noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. We are live taking your calls at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So here's a, an interesting question, Mike. What do you do if the interviewer is less experienced than you? So you go in and they're just not getting it because they're at a different level. Try not to be annoyed to start with. <laughs> Try not to be annoyed. Well, How do you do that? <laughs> because I need that in all aspects of my I, life. So if you can teach me that, we're, you're, we're golden. You're not alone. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing there is you're there to make a connection. So that person is probably walking in more nervous than you are. And you're going to sense it right away. And so they're not going to be making eye contact. They're going to be looking down. They might be writing. And you're not feeling that sense of connection. I like when... But you're saying the interviewer is going to be more nervous because you've yes. got more experience. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I have seen that a lot. Interesting. Um, and a lot of times, a good way to diffuse that is to sort of stop and say, hey, am I giving you what you need to know? Is there a place you want me to go or additional information you want me to share? So that you let that person... You're basically saying, hey, let me give you what you need. Mm -hmm. Let me help you out with this. 
And I, I've seen that take a really, ten, take an interviewer who's really tense and uncomfortable and really drop their stress down. So if you're focusing on making a connection, having a conversation, being human, all those things. Giving them, giving them a little bit of space, you mm-hmm. know, and, and giving them the opportunity to, to feel a little bit in control. And likability. I mean, the research is out there. Likability yes. is is probably the number one thing that people get hired on. Likability. Oh. So, so if you're making a career switch, maybe you don't have the exact industry experience or the exact, you didn't use this computer database or you didn't have this. I'm telling you, likability, being human, making a connection can put you over the top yep. when it comes to getting that offer. So I mentioned earlier about being competent. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's... You know, item number one. The other one is, um, I only hire people I want to have lunch with. Mm-hmm. Real simple. If I can't see you sitting with my team that I'm hiring for, and frankly, sitting with me, I want to hire people that I'm I'm going to really want to get to know. If if that likability isn't there, we're not going to go real far. It's a little bit difficult though because you're you know you may be a generally likable person, but put you in an interview where it's a little right. bit stress inducing, and some of those qualities seem to get pushed to the background. How do you deal with that? You know, and that's where pausing I think is really important. You know, if you're if you're constantly in that mindset of I've got to deliver, 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 um, you're not going to be yourself. <laughs> so that's where I, I one of my big coaching elements, and and this you know I, you and I know I have a coaching practice around mm-hmm. career development is pause, you know, check in. And that's really a term I use a lot is you shouldn't be talking for more than about maybe five minutes without going, am I giving you what you need? Is this helping? You know, if a candidate does that, it does a couple things. One is it gives you a place to stop and to collect your thoughts. The second thing is you might be veering off track here. You might not be giving them the information that they need. And if you were to continue talking for 10 minutes on stuff that doesn't apply, you're out. Yeah. And they might not tell you. And I think a lot of them won't tell you. They'll just kind of zone out and be doodling on their notepad and and then they'll be like, yep, thank you for coming in. You brought up a good point about control. And I want to ask you this question because we were talking about making a connection. There was kind of this big trend about bringing in a PowerPoint and coming in and saying, here's how I would do my first 90 days or here's how I'd solve your problem. And I will admit, I put my recruiter hat on. I say, I don't think I would like that if somebody came in and kind of took control of the interview that way. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Has anyone ever done that to you? Um, yes. <laughs> and? I, and it didn't go well. So I, so I think there's a, so what you described is important. I think there's a time and a place where, you know, giving your plan of action is important. Mm-hmm. It's not in the first interview. I, early on, what we're really trying to determine early on is, is are we fitting here? Are we aligned? And if you walk in telling me, here's, here is my, you know, the 25 things I'm going to do in the first 90 days, I'm still not sure I want you here. Mm-hmm. So let's get, let's get over that alignment hump. Let's make sure that we're, we're, we're in sync here. And then, yeah, I do want to start deep diving a little bit more. Oftentimes, um, and this kind of goes to my, my whole coaching side and my, my org development stuff with my startups, I will ask a client or a candidate when we're basically making an offer to say, I'd love to know what your plans are coming in. Because at that point, they're in. And now we want to start doing that kind of planning. I don't want to do it in the phone screen. Yeah. I don't want to do it in the first interview. Yeah. it's Again, it's if you're trying to make a connection, and I think that is spot on what you're trying to do, then putting that PowerPoint in between you, it's I mean, it's like a physical barrier. What a, <laughs> it's what a, a mental barrier. It. it is a barrier. It's like, I can't connect with you when there's a PowerPoint deck yeah. in between us. So yes, worth thinking about, but but maybe leave the the PowerPoint at home until yep. the final interview. So eight four four, we're in this eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Hey, we are taking your calls all hour if it's noon Eastern time, nine a.m. Pacific. But right now, we're going to answer our pre-break quiz. All right, research shows that people do this on average three to six hours a week, which is one to two months per year. The scary part is that if you're doing it right now, it's damaging your brain, raising your blood pressure, which leads to all sorts of not good things. Here's a hint. People do it a lot at work and it's not sitting, which uh, I think is also causing all those negative things, but that's not what we're talking about. So Danielle, we're going to go to you first. Do you have a guess on this week's pre-break quiz? Oh, wow. Uh, First one. Um, (laughs) 
you're I'm up. You're in Dion's share this week. <laughs> nope, you're in Dion's share this week, which means you're That's first true. up. That's true. I got I to take on the, the role, fill some big shoes. Um, yep. So it's not pants, as Dion often says. Um, it's not pants. Wearing pants. <laughs> it's constricting. It could be wearing pants. It, it, yeah, wearing tight pants. <laughs> That's not the answer. I'm going to say... Ooh, this is a tough one. Maybe not drinking enough water. Can you like? Can it be an omittance of something? <laughs> it can, but that's not the answer this week. <laughs> so, Michelle, we are gonna go. Yeah, there you go. Well um, deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. Right and poor there. Michelle is in today, even though she's very, very sick. I sound so. like Dion. So <laughs> you could just say I was Dion today. Yeah. If you get it, I'll be really mad because you're also sick. <laughs> yeah, you're sick. Give give Michelle a call and give her some love. Eight four four Wharton. <laughs> yeah, I need it. Um. I would say I'm going to this is a crappy guess cuz I feel like it's way more than this. Um I want is it is it social media? No, it is not social media. Mm. Okay. Actually it has nothing to do with the computer. All right, Mike, you're you're up. You're our Oh Your last God. chance for this. Cuz that was my answer too. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Really? Um, we could just give him a buzzer then. So <laughs> so now I'm going to say uh coffee breaks. Coffee breaks. Causes your blood pressure to go out and damages your brain. I sure as heck hope not. That, that, <laughs> so, so I'm sitting here. Because I'm, I'm sitting screwed. Here with, <laughs> I'm sitting here with tea in front of me. So I mean, there's an obvious bias. Yeah, as I'm sitting here drinking my third cup of coffee. He's like, yeah, no, that's my problem. No. Okay. Research shows that people on average complain complain three to six hours per week two months a year we spend complaining it's tempting of course because it feels good and like many other things that are enjoyable raises our our you know neurotransmitters and makes us feel good but it is actually very very bad for you in fact um most people complain about once a minute during a typical typical conversation. So here's here's my PSA to everybody. You have to be you have to listen to yourself because this totally scared the heck out of me. Complaining shrinks the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that's destroyed by Alzheimer's. So every time you're complaining, you're destroying that that piece. So that is terrifying. So um I, I I'm listening to this and and the first my first response is Wow. Mm-hmm. And my second response is, this is why people don't do well in interviews. Because they're complaining? They complain. What do they complain about? Well, I'll have people walk in and I'll... In the interview? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. I think that's a that's a given. Um, <laughs> if you're <laughs> complaining in the interview... But sometimes it's subtle. Ooh. You know, so, so... Snarky, subtle? A little bit. So one of the key things I want to find out in an interview mm-hmm. is how well do you play in the sandbox? So... Another way to put it is tell me how you tell me about your last group. Tell me what you did there. And what I'm looking for is if it wasn't a good group, I'd love to hear somebody say, you know, we had a lot of challenges. I mean, it was really tough. But at the end of the day, we delivered. Okay, I'm good with that. If I get we had a lot of challenges, it was really tough. You know, nobody wanted to talk to each other. And, you know, people got a little bit snarky and dot, 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 dot. I'm not interested. So it's. Give the facts, but don't go too deep into the negative. Exactly. So, yeah, I think this you're right. A lot of people do get caught up. So, for example, if you're listening and we've all been there, we've either gotten laid off, you know, maybe you've gotten fired, maybe you've gotten let go under not great circumstances. I mean, if you've worked any period of time that has happened to you, um, your job changed, your boss changed and you had to leave and things went downhill and you're sour about it. I mean, of course, anybody would be. You've got to leave that in the past. If you bring any of that into the interview, you're like done for. You know, I I mean, to to take what we're talking about here and and just slightly invert it, tell success stories. You know, really focus on success stories. To me, that's, and and I think in some cases, that's almost harder to do Mm -hmm. because people don't, people go, oh, well, that wasn't successful. You know what? That, if you don't share it, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, to me, when somebody can say, you know, I walked in, it was this way, we changed it, and this is the result. Very often I'm going to go, that's pretty cool. And that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking to hear and my teams are looking to hear. Yeah, the positive, move towards the future. I mean, you do have to, yes. like you said, you, you have to let it go. And if, you're, if you have recently had a situation like this, you have to find a way to resolve it before you get in that interview. Because I'll tell you, even if you don't say a word about it as a psychologist, 
I mean, I'll tell you, humans can sense it. Yes. We can smell negativity. We can like, and here's the thing. The, the interviewer won't know what it is, but they'll sense something and they'll think maybe you're not telling the truth or maybe, you know, there's there and, and whatever it is, it's not going to help you connect with the other person. So if you have that, resolve it in whatever way you need to, whether it's talking to a coach talking to a you know a spouse yep. or family member um, coming to terms with it you know even just taking action so I, I do want to finish this PSA with there are solutions if you tend to be a complainer and Danielle out there in Philly said I feel like some people complain for solidarity to connect with people and I think you're right I think there is um, there's actually studies out there that showed that things like gossip inventing is kind of a way to help humans connect. The way to do it differently, though, because I did research this, and I'm glad you brought it up, Danielle, is to complain in a solution-oriented fashion. So to bring up the problem, but then bring up solutions. So so to solve the problem while you're doing it. So yeah, maybe this is a lame thing, but here are some ideas. Um, and then also cultivate an attitude of gratitude. So when you feel like complaining, shift your attention to something you're grateful for. Because here's the thing, even if you left your last job, on a sour note, maybe your boss changed, maybe your duties changed, maybe you were let go. Okay, that's that's maybe 1% of the entire time you're there. What did you learn? What did you take away? What network connections did you build? Maybe you've got a great brand name on your resume now that you can build a future off of. Maybe you've got some um, you know, great former colleagues who are happy to give you a recommendation or you know, think about what you're taking away and what you're grateful for and bring that with you into the interview. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it this way, the farther away you are from from a job or from a you know a, a career event in your life, th- the better it looks, mm-hmm. and th- the quicker you can get to this point of you know what there were some real blessings I had in that, and there were some really g- good benefits. I mean that'd be interesting to hear from people today is you know w- start that shift, mm-hmm. start talking about hey what did I accomplish there, yeah, and it may feel small to me, but you know what it you you might be surprised. Hey, if you tend to be a complainer, and let's face it, we all are yep. from time to time. <laughs> What can you do differently? What can you do differently this week? Not only for your next job interview, but for goodness sake, your health. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. And we are live from Morton's campus in San Francisco today with Mike Minoski. And Mike has all the insider scoop. He's been a recruiter. He's been a headhunter. He's he's owns businesses. He's you know, what is it you don't do? That might be a shorter list, Mike. Um, yard work? No. I <laughs> <laughs> he does I, not do yard work, so I, I, please actually, do not call actually, in. Actually, I have been doing some. With your gardening you. tips. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he can't help you there. Hey, if you'd like more great advice, you can sign up for my weekly blog, dawnoncareers.com. Or if you have a question and you're not able to call, you can tweet at Dr. Don Graham. So, okay, we're talking about the interview. We're talking about get in front of the decision maker, how to make a connection. Um, okay, so we're making a connection. This is this is going well. And then they ask me a question that I don't have an answer for. Silence. Yeah. Now what? Or I've never done it. I've never done it or I, you know. I love it. So to me, the best part about that is when you ask a question back. So, ask a question back. So, so for example, if they say. So Mike, uh, have you ever done gardening? Yes, but is there an area that you, that you want me to focus on? Because I, I can talk about it in general terms, but what are the needs here? Yes, I would like to know about herbs that do well in direct sunlight. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so you know, you know, but, know but you know what my you know what my my semi tap dance response would be, <laughs> would be you know that's interesting. I've grown tomatoes. Okay. I've grown a lot of stuff in the ground, and I'm starting to look at doing an herb garden. Haven't done it yet. And my next answer is, what specific herbs are you doing? See, I would start, I would continue to make that a conversation. I would tell you what I haven't done. I mean, I'm not going to See, that's lie. my question. Because, like, if you dance around it. Yes. Like, I mean, okay, let's say all hirers have kind of a BS meter. Yes. And so, like, I know you're, basically you're telling me you don't have it. I, I'm thinking I'm of the school of, I'm not saying come right out and say, I've never planted an herb garden. Next question. But I would say, uh, I think I'd, I'd kind of come in the middle ground and say, here's what I have done that I see is related to that. Or maybe if it's like a system or something like that, you talk about that you've picked up a lot of systems yeah, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the question, of course. But 
I, I think you need to say, you know, I've not worked with that system specifically, but in my last role, I had to learn the, the new system within a week because my counterpart was leaving Perfect. and I did that. And, and I think there's another thing too, is, is also asking the questions, how critical is this? How critical is it? In other words, in other words, so <laughs> do you really need me to learn that system? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, is well, it, you, is there any way to do this job without learning that system? <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I, it, it, boy, I love the way you're doing that. I but, know, but, just, uh, I'm sorry. I, no, that, that, that's, that's for the Las Vegas stuff earlier. The, magicians only. The interesting thing about that is that might, that might be something that we're going to need six months from now. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I'd like to know timing and importance. Um, do you need that? And I'm not going to go, well, do you need that today? But I'd love to know, you know, given everything else that we're trying to do here, you know, how does that play in right away? And you're probably going to know. But just sort of understanding the sequence, because sometimes a job description is a wish list. See, I, that's where I was going with this, is that I know a lot of people look at jobs and they come to me and they're like, I don't have every skill they're looking right. for. And I say, no one does. In the same way, you're never going to find a job that has everything you want to do that's ideal, that has the perfect commute and the perfect boss and everything. Not a single candidate probably has everything they want. So here's what you need to do. You need to look at probably the top three to five things they have and be prepared to answer that. Now, if you haven't done a a system or you, you know, maybe you've only taken classes in an area, but you've not really applied it, you have to be ready for those questions. They're going to ask. And here's what I always say. What do they really want to know? Do they really want to know that I'm tech savvy and that I can pick things up quickly? Do they really want to know that I've done something similar that's transferable? So maybe... Um, you know, if it's a consulting role and they want to know that I'm good with people. So drill it down to the skill that is underlying. And then if you say, okay, no, I, you know, I've not done consulting directly, but I know a couple of the skills that are really important for that. And here's how I've done them in my project management job. So again, I, I think it is about that connection, honesty, human, be human, but also try and find where that aligns. I mean, what you, and, and what you're saying is so important because it goes into, that you're being interviewed because they have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, you may be the nicest person in the world, but they're interviewing you because there's something that's not getting done. Yep. And once you understand what's not getting done, boy, the conversation becomes very different. You're the, if you take the, if you take the view walking in that, okay, this person I'm talking with, they need help. And I think I can help them. Let me make sure I understand what they need. I can explain what I do better. If you're getting away from the idea upfront that I'm selling, Mm-hmm. And you come into more of the idea of understanding. I think that's a, that's been a better way. What do you think? You know, I, I feel like if nothing else, go with the connection. Go in yeah. to make a connection. And I also think don't complain. I think that's... Uh, that's the, the I, mantras I, I, of, of today. I think that ties and, in perfectly. And our time is up, sadly, because I could talk to you for the rest of the day, Mike. Um, thank you for being here. This, this has been great. Where can people reach you? So real simply, my website is MikeCoach.com. And if you want to send me an email, it's Mike at MikeCoach.com. I love LinkedIn connections as well. So I'll spell my last name, M-A-N-O-S-K-E. First name is Mike. Would love to connect. And what we always say about LinkedIn, make sure you send a personalized Absolutely. invite always, but let let Mike know where, where you heard him. Hey, you've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. For more great advice, you can go to my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. Thank you for tuning in. Michelle and Danielle, you guys rule, and we will see you next time. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm...